coming up on Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. Growth is hard, right? It's difficult. I talk a lot about how yesterday's ceilings become today's floors. And every time you do elevate yourself to that next floor, it's hard because you're a new place you've never been before. So that can feel like a really lonely journey, a really lonely path. But what about if you're speaking to someone who's walked up that floor? It feels a lot easier, a lot more manageable. I think a lot of people are afraid to ask for help and whether that comes down to their own self-belief and ability to actually achieve the thing. I won't dare tell anyone what I want to do or I won't dare ask someone to coach me to do it. Get past some of your own insecurities, identify what they are first and experiment with having the courage to ask people for help. Hey guys, it's Mark Whittle. You can find me at markwhittle underscore TF on Instagram, takeflightworld.com to inquire about coaching, the Take Flight podcast, and this is my episode with Sleep, Eats, Perform, Repeat. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons, and learnings. Today we spoke with Mark Whittle, performance and life coach and founder of Take Flight Productions. Mark Whittle is a former city worker with companies like J&J and Salesforce, turned lifestyle coach, entrepreneur, mental health advocate, and productivity biohacker. He's the host of the UK's number one peak performance podcast, Take Flight, and the host of the unique Take Flight events and seminars. Mark shared with us his rock bottom, what coaching means to him, and why he got into coaching in the first place. We asked Mark about his coaching role as a dad. What does that look like? He also unpacked who the right guest is for his pod and why. In the past, money fueled my addiction for validation, he said. That's not what fuels Mark now. Hear about passion and hear about purpose. Mark Whittle, thanks a million for taking a call. We know you we kind of rushed your lunch there. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, good. Good, lads. Thanks so much for having me. Been into London, had a coaching session this morning and flew back out, a little haircut. Nice to finish the day by chatting to you, lads. Jumping on video, nicely done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just for you. Not me, not me. Uh, talk to us, coaching. What was going and doing a coaching session? Kind of what was that? Look, it's a big part of your world and, mm. you know, intrigued a little bit. What kind of did it look like? So this morning's with a with an MD of a um, sort of higher interiors company really great session uh, i basically work with business owners and founders largely and a few professional athletes and it's a mixture of business of course like helping them to build the systems and build the teams and become powerful leaders themselves but the real work is in the self-awareness and the understanding of who they are and the self-limiting beliefs and glass ceilings and internal dialogue all the stuff i'm sure we're going to talk a lot about which bleeds into obviously everyday life and particularly challenges founders of businesses who you know are trying to create something that really matters to them nice we could do with you with the sounds like <laughs> and before we dive into your background and your history of, of how you got to where you are lifestyle coaching sometimes people face resistance with the language with arch- lifestyle architecture and stuff like that so if you're looking to change someone who is maybe an md and has a lot of experience 
sometimes with probably coaching in general, because it's a little bit unregulated, there's quite a big spectrum mm. of individuals who do it. Now we know you're from your background and from what you've done, the quality that you bring, how do you ensure that you're, you're delivering that quality each and every time to the person? No, great question, mate. Well, you're absolutely spot on. It is unregulated, which is what gives it at times a bad name in the same way as PTs have a similar challenge, right? Yeah. But you have good PTs and you have bad PTs. There's a broad spectrum. So for me, it's, you know, when you do good work, it just highlights that you're on the good end of the spectrum. There's of course certifications and things that you can go through and they've been amazing you know i've got a, a, lots of letters at the end of my name that's <laughs> different different accreditation but to be honest with you that, that's not where you become a good coach it's with sitting down with people who you can help and you know i get this question all the time which is i want to be a coach but i don't know who to help we can all help somebody so just start there like start thinking about what you've been through what you've experienced you can only walk somebody as a coach as far as you've walked yourself really uh, you can use great questions to offer a different perspective and challenge and and that's what I do as well but as far as the deep meaningful and integrating that work as well like you can only walk someone as far down the path as you've gone yourself so my niche and what I focus on is people typically who are like years two to seven in running their business they've had a passion clearly it's led to their purpose or what they believe and perceive as their purpose and now they're like this is working i need some support and help with this they've probably not done a huge amount of personal development although they're interested in in it because they understand it, it helps them be better in business yeah. um and they're really starting to build teams that are going to be along for the the longer term so that's my sort of niche year sort of two to seven um and then in the athlete world it's again this kind of it's this mature athlete who's preparing for the next chapter. So okay. my story is that sort of leap of faith out of the corporate world, pursuing what I really believe in and what my calling was. So helping those people prepare for the next chapter because change is difficult and this sort of shattering of identity can happen and you need to stabilize after that. And it is unregulated, but as long as you are helping people in areas that you've experienced in life yourself yeah. and you're being, you're getting the right qualifications, doing the right study and research, and you have people who support you. Like I have my own coach, my own mentor, my own support group and peer group, then you're doing all the right things. Yeah. Brilliant. That's actually really good. What you said there for everyone listening, your own mentor, your own coach, your own support group. A lot of people can take a lot from that because not everyone recognizes the absolute power and, and support and community and helping people develop Mark, how did you decide what was it that happened between J&J, &J, Salesforce, that world? And I know this is something that you, you've spoken about, but what was it, what had to happen for you to say, I want to change, I want to do something different? My dad was a coach. So I was coached very early on, right? I was exposed to the, a lot of the goal setting practices and the wheel of life. You might be familiar with all, all these sort of fairly basic practices that we use and they're really helpful. Right. But I was given these or forced to really undertake these from a young age. So it was always in my mind and I was fascinated or actually I was probably addicted to growth and, and uh, super competitive. And that was played out in my sport and playing football. And then when that ended, um, I sort of put all of that into business and it was sales at the time. And what mattered to me, what my value was, was money. You've heard the story a million times, I'm sure. But when people put all their emphasis on money, they make money, they realize it doesn't satisfy them as much as they thought. And I had a kind of like quite a profound moment. A lot of the people I speak with on my podcast, it's almost like a slow burn. But I had this quite profound moment where I'd worked on a deal for a really long period of time. It was almost a year. 
super stressful, like made me ill, fatigue, depression, like I had really bad experience with it. And there's this kind of, there's this concept around pleasure and pain, right? So you can dictate people's behavior based off of the pleasure that they seek. So we're all pleasure seeking beings, pleasure seeking animals. So you can kind of dictate that behavior. So I could ask you guys, like, what do you find pleasurable? And I could probably predict loosely like what some of your behaviors in the week are going to be. But the only thing that's stronger than that, that predicts behavior is our needs to avoid pain. So I'd sort of demonstrated what a lot of the gurus in self-help talk about like resilience and toughness and grit and all these things, because I really wanted to sell the deal because I wanted the commission. So I held this sort of imaginary vision of pleasure in my mind. And that led me to push on with the deal, go through the, the pain, go through the illness and keep going, sell the deal. And then the pleasure never arrived. So I felt this deep moment of pain and that's the thing that triggered change. I was like, oh, everything I thought was going to happen hasn't. And I saw, it's almost like my version of rock bottom. Powerful. And with seeking money and using that as, your, as what you thought was your passion or something you were chasing, your purpose, a lot of the time that can be for, not saying it was in this case, but it can be for external validation. It can be get the care to show that you have have this status and it can be that power compared to other people who don't have this care, who don't have the accessibility to these hotels or these restaurants. What do you say to people who maybe are chasing money at the moment or maybe hmm. something resonates there and when they hear that, what do you say to that piece of, or maybe you just need to take the first step towards looking at your purpose again? What is it? Oh, look, let's not take away like money is really good for <laughs> like, a certain type of lifestyle that we want. And, you know, like going on those holidays and having those experiences. Um, now I look at who I want to become, right? So in the past, money fueled my addiction for validation. So I would buy Canada Goose coats and, you know, Rolexes, which, which, I, yeah, which I still were. But like, you know, different things like that, which is really when you get deeper for somebody else is not for me it's for somebody else to perceive me as a certain status um not all the time but a lot of the time which is why sometimes you'll buy stuff and you might not feel good afterwards now i grasp and understand and have awareness of who i'm trying to become so the money is paying my mentors my coaches other courses um my uh experiences with my family taking my daughter to pepper pig world you know these are the things that it's changed these are the things that are funding who i want to become which is you know i have it very clearly in my mind like the best coach i can possibly be and the best podcast host with the most authentic conversations that i can create so i have a list of things that i need to do each day and if we want to get into goal set i can talk about that but basically looking at the act to lead to the goal not the outcome itself you talk a lot about kind of the, the practices you have, Mark. And, and in terms of you getting to those places that you said, like for the family piece, which really get that, love that. And then obviously what you're trying to do with, with your podcast, which we both love and subscribe to. What are the practices that get you closer to that? Or what does that look like? Or what do you do in a week that helps you fulfill those, those pieces that are really important for you? So, as you guys can probably attest to, like the the mission changes almost weekly with the podcast. The coaching stays fairly consistent. You know, I know what I'm doing. I'm coaching people every single week and I'm spending time with really great people. Um, and I'm ensuring that I'm present. You know, I'm making sure I'm checking in beforehand. I'm prepared. I'm there for them. I'm removing my ego, all those things. These are, so, so, you know, if I'm ticking off those things, then I'm successful. I'm carrying out coaching practices. I'm helping them get towards their goals. I'm successful. And that's where, if I keep doing that, then I will be the best coach. 
I will be if I keep doing that every every single week. But the podcast changes just because the the nature of the podcasting world. So I'll, I'll share I'll share an insight from today. Yeah, shit. I'm having this in the moment as well. Like it's not too far from that validation of buying things for other people. There's there's times where I have sought a guest, yes, credibility, but also at times then you find yourself thinking, did I do that for the validation to say I've got a big name guest on? And that sometimes happens. Whereas now I know I have to do it for the right reasons, which is for me and, and to support the business and support the coaching. So if I'm spending half a day or a day creating an episode, which that's what it takes because I do them all face-to-face, we get extra content. We try and do different things with them, like do workouts with them and stuff. Um, it has to be for the right reasons. Otherwise, again, you get that feeling, you buy a jacket, you feel shit afterwards. I spend a day recording the podcast for the wrong reasons. I feel bad afterwards. So consistently checking in with myself. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? And that's why that word authenticity is so important, that it has to be authentic conversations. It has to be people for the right reasons. It has to be purposeful, which for me is supporting and complementing my coaching. Jumping back to the city worker time, what was it that led you from school to that job, that career path initially? Was it chasing the money? Did you see that as the main vehicle to get you there? Or was there something that attracted you to that lifestyle? I always say like, you know, I lived 45 minutes outside of London just north and and I think there's something in that where you're sort of you're, you're separate from it but you can sort of see the lights you can see that sort of dim glow and you're thinking fucking hell like that looks get over that, there. yeah <laughs> that looks- <laughs> yeah it's like when you're in the party and all the kids are laughing over there you're like fucking what's going on over there <laughs> so um there was there was a little bit of that I was an Arsenal fan so I'd travel in a lot and you Sorry know <laughs> yeah thanks mate <laughs> um but uh you know, so I went in and experienced the city and the energy was just something I hadn't really experienced before. I was fortunate as, as well as a kid to travel a lot. Like, you know, I, I always mention this because my parents took me all around the world and, and that opened my mind so much that moving to the city and trying to create something of myself wasn't a, didn't feel like a big stretch. Um, and my dad worked in the city. You know, he used to commute in every morning and come back. He was the MD of a sales, uh, an advertising company. And having that exposure to someone going and doing that. And my mum was also an entrepreneur. She ran an aerobics business. So these things were just, they felt quite normal. And then I went on and, and the football took me over to playing in America for a period. And then I, I got injured, didn't make it as far as I wanted to go. And, and I kind of just, I say fell into it. I asked questions and money was the value. I asked the questions that I wouldn't ask now, but I was still addicted to that process of trying to find things. I asked what's the highest paying entry sales job and uh, a medical device sales came up and that's why I, I got into J&J. What was it like with the football piece? You're going over there and, and you just said, you know, we're two physios, right? So that's why honing in on that, you speak to an injury. Mm. What's that like? I mean, cause that a significant part of your, of your life, how much did that impact decision-making and impact of the next move then for you? Mm. I've got a broken ankle now, lads, by the way, so I could use your help. Yeah. 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 Jump on a Zoom tomorrow, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I broke it last week. Um, oh, doing playing, what? Playing football. First time in a year on, on a 4G. You're in good um, shape for a, a recent fracture. You're feeling all right. You're looking good. Yeah, it doesn't look I, like there's anything going on. I'm feeling all right. I've literally just peeled it off before this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, injuries was, I mean... The thing I took from that was more than anything of how stupid it was that it happened. It was, it was, uh, I was like a number 10. I played like, a, you know, number 10. Used to call myself the Dennis Bergkamp, the, the English nice. Dennis Bergkamp. <laughs> um, complimenting myself, clearly. <laughs> but, you know, 
Cruyff turn on the halfway line while we're attacking and we lost the ball and I committed a foul to stop them getting in, got booked. And in the next phase of play after the free kick, the ball got cleared and it was a 50-50 with me and someone else. And and because I'd just been booked, I had that in my mind. So I didn't go in all in and I tore my MCL and meniscus. So that was the biggest thing. I sat with that for weeks and I was so angry with myself. It's like, why did I do that? And And it came back to, you know, that validation piece really trying to do things that are the wrong thing to do um so stuck, so that stayed with me for a while and then just the whole process of slowing down like having to i missed out on half a season while i was over there which was really frustrating um so i had a lot of time to reflect and think about what was important to me and uh and funnily enough the same thing's happening this week i've had want that podcast insight and loads of other like from personal as well has come from this forced period of slowing down so i know we say that injuries are uh, you know they're obviously not a good thing every time i tell someone i've got a broken ankle they're like oh i'm so sorry that's really really like terrible to hear and all that but i've genuinely been super positive about it to flip the it's a question again right what can i do now that i wouldn't have been doing before because i'll just get into a certain frame of mind and then into a sort of into the slipstream of of working, 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 coaching constantly because I'm so driven and ambitious to achieve the things I want to do. Forced to slow down. I'm forced to have a period of it's been what two weeks now, where I've journaled every day. I've had to sit still. Fuck, I had to sit still and think, <laughs> be, be with my own thoughts. You know, um, so it's actually been, it's been really great. And although injuries, as you guys can attest to affect people's lives, like driving was annoying. There's been lots of positives on the other side of that as well. I think it's interesting. You're touching on something and it may be a part of coaching and what you do reflection, looking back on painful moments. A lot of the time we, when we're conscious of the painful moment, we won't even go back and revisit it because it's, I don't like thinking about it. It feels uncomfortable going back Hmm. and thinking about that messed up presentation or whatever it is how do you overcome that resistance to go back and actually take time to say, well, Mark, if you hadn't have been focused on external validation, looking at actual purpose, well, then you maybe wouldn't have been doing cry turns on the halfway line Hmm. and change things. So how do you do that with clients? How do you introduce them to getting past the resistance of the pain? Hmm. Well, how I do it for myself is I've done it enough times to know the benefit on the other side. Hmm. How I do it with my clients is accountability and holding a space which allows them to go into the pain initially because it is the body keep, have you heard this phrase the body keeps the score yeah so we don't the body doesn't remember when these things happened so you you ask somebody to sit in the pain and, and and you probe how does it feel where do you feel that how you know if you could describe what that feeling is like what would you say what does it look like what does it feel you know all these things pushing people into that space in a safe environment because it's not happening to them in that moment. But when they start to actually feel it, when they question it and I, and I probe them and push them into feeling that pain and that past experience, then they feel what they're carrying with them all the time and then offer them the option of allowing that to pass through them and not carry it that way anymore is usually an option most people want to take, albeit hard. But these are the things that, you know, this is the privilege of the work that I do is that I get to hear the real tragic things that happen, but I get, I get to see them get rid of it. 
and then go on and not be affected in their businesses anymore. Like the obvious example is, and this isn't actually that common, but it just is an easy one to explain. But kids' parents gets divorced at 12, say, so ends up having trust issues, comes to me for issues with his co-founder and his business, doesn't realize it's issues he's held on to since he was 12 years old. But once we work through that pain, realize that the stories he's telling himself about the divorce aren't true. Or maybe they are, but it doesn't matter because it's 20 years on. So do you still want to hold on to that? Yes or no? Is that person having the same impact on you as you, as, as that event? No, but we're telling ourselves that that's the dialogue, right? So that's an insight into it. But, you know, these things can take months, often years to work through. Um, sometimes that I even remember that it's me that helped them, which is fine. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> How much of a coach are you as a dad? And kind of what does, what does that look like? Yeah, great question. I mean, firstly, the, the, the biggest growth I've ever had has been in the last two years since, since having my daughter. And there was... Um, there was a moment where I was like, shit, like real gun to the head moment. It was like, you have to do some things now, otherwise she's going to be like you. And I didn't want that. And I was forced to sort of face some really difficult things, which I can't explain the growth I've had in the last two years because of this. So she's forced me to do things. You, you feel a whole nother responsibility when there's a human, another human being around one that you like love so much. And, you know, I, yeah it just there's no there's no option it's it's a gun to the head moment you you don't have a choice anymore with family with clients with your friends relationships and how you make sure they're at their very best is something that a lot of successful people seem to do really well even if they're very busy they manage relationships especially with you know the best people we always strive looking at like the likes of lebron james seems to have a great family life what do you think are the keys to maintaining that and going forward Peppa Pig world and the two-year-old, what are the, the keys that you're going to try and implement to make sure that is the strongest relationship you have? Yeah, another great question. I'm still trying to figure it out, to be honest. I think when you have, when you carry trauma or difficult times from your past that you still haven't worked through, it's difficult to let people all the way in. And often those people are the ones who are the closest to you. So I'm, I'm working through that stuff now. And the more that you take accountability for it, if you feel like it's not particularly good, it's usually your fault. It's the stuff that's going on for you. Everyone who we interact with is really just a mirror for what's going on internally for us. So you use those opportunities where relationships may not necessarily feel as good as they could be to identify things that you could do for yourself. And that's that responsibility, particularly with your family, right? You want it to be, you want it to be the best it possibly can be and you want to serve them right and you want to you want to do right by them so i think it comes with a level of maturity and the more that you become self-aware the more you can see how you're affecting other people and those around you i think a big thing as well is like being super honest and open about who you are and what you aspire to achieve in life so that the people who are close to you can get on board with that or or not and if not then you know maybe that's where the where the issues are but by doing that now, I've found my relationship with my wife, for, for example, is, is far stronger because she just she understands me and what I'm doing and vice versa. We try to have that really open communication where we both get what each other are striving to achieve in life and we can support each other then. 
and I think that shared mission is really important and obviously kids force that even further so yeah LeBron James is obviously incredibly self-aware and he's figured out who he needs in his life to support him to be the best basketball player or philanthropist or whatever else he's trying to achieve so I guess I guess it starts there that's an amazing point you made about the communication just kind of having that open discussion and dialogue with your with your partner right the person you're spending all that time with and and also even the people you work alongside and you're either you either get it or or that's where there's dysfunction and problem but that in itself mark is so important the piece i'd love to tap into a little bit more and love the fact you opened up about it coach mentor community hmm. i'm the same right i've got a coach several mentors community and i see the value in it, and so does kiran what is it about people listening to this that can maybe understand a little bit more as to who they could be? What is it about those different worlds that could really help someone on that path to growth, on that mm. path to understanding a little bit more about themselves? Yeah, so listen, growth growth is hard, right? It's difficult. You know, we talk, I talk a lot about how yesterday's ceilings become today's floors. Mm. And every time you do elevate yourself to that next floor, it's fucking hard because you're you're a new place you've never been before. So that can feel like a really lonely journey, a really lonely path. But what about if you're speaking to someone who's walked up that floor? You know, it feels a lot easier, a lot more manageable. I think a lot of people are afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And and whether that comes down to their own self-belief and, and ability to actually achieve the thing. So I won't dare tell anyone what I want to do or I won't dare ask someone to coach me to do it fuck so or I don't know what I want to do <laughs> really. yeah I mean yeah I know I get trapped in my own echo chamber of assuming we all set goals like, <laughs> like I do <laughs> but yeah that's where it's that's right I don't even know what to do so so narrowing down some of those things and, and a coach can help you start there as well right but you're probably going to find a more generic coach if that's if that's where your, your base layer is but Get past some of your own insecurities. Identify what they are first. Get past some of those and experiment with, with having the courage to ask people for help. And then when you're ready, you've got the clarity of what you're trying to do. Find somebody who's been there, like the coach I've just invested in is somebody who has a, a coaching business. He's probably like five years down the road from I am. Hmm. So I want to learn from him naturally how to do that rather than just go through that all by myself. He can, he can probably teach me that five years in a year. I think that's a good investment. Maybe your experience of going from having that moment of looking at yourself and, and realizing you're, you were chasing a purpose that you didn't align with, you probably went from being not being vulnerable to being very vulnerable and actually showing your true self. Mm. Um, it sounds like that. And thanks for share, opening up and sharing some pieces today. What do you think people need to do in order to take the first steps to be more vulnerable when they're in them situations? So if it was me and David, if I said, look, David, I'm just not good at this. This is not my area. Losing that mask, losing that sort of ego cloak that I'm wearing to say, look, I need help on this. What's the first steps people can take to, to look into that? Well, I think the first step is actually understanding you have an ego. I remember reading Ryan Holiday's Ego is the Enemy and being like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Got an ego. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's actually, it's a, it's a big one as well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was actually, I, I really struggled reading that. It was, a, it was a painful experience. And by the end of it, I just chucked it away. <laughs> Unsubscribe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Exactly. So 
I think the first step is is really really understanding that and grasping that. And that can take a lot. That can take a long time because it's something that's probably protected you f- for your whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, also, starting to grasp the fact that we've all been conditioned from a young age. Like there's there's you know you know I use this example right. You're going to run a marathon. What do we do? Or it doesn't have to be a marathon. It could be a 5K. But what do we do? We prepare physically, nutritionally. We ensure we're getting the rest in between our training. We might even run the route. We, we can do all these things to prepare and condition ourselves to run a marathon and undertake that challenge. But we are unconditionally, we, we are unconsciously conditioned for running the race of life. Like everybody we're exposed to in our youth imparts a certain or like projects a certain belief or philosophy on us consciously or unconsciously, usually unconsciously, they're usually trying to do their best as well, like parents, school teachers, but it leads to us believing a certain thing about ourselves and and forming a certain identity and and self image of who we are. And then basically if we distill that down, we're asking, who am I? Are we trying to grasp who we are? So we ask the world, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? And it tells us who we are. It tells us you are, intelligent at school or dumb it tells you you are athletic at school or not athletic and it's all very black and white and none of that's true like maybe you are not athletic in that moment it doesn't mean you are for the rest of your life but we we carry these beliefs for a very long period of time so starting to grasp there's an internal wiring almost which is dictating the way that you're seeing life this starts to get quite heavy (laughs) pretty deep quite quick So I'll try and keep it as light as possible, but it ultimately leads to a lens, right? Which shapes our perspective of how we see life and the experiences that we have. So all big and quite scary stuff. Take that a step at a time. Start to notice how you see life. Start to notice the way you see things. Start to notice the way that you react to certain circumstances, experiences, or people. And just recognize what your wiring is. Recognize where it works. Recognize where it doesn't. And that for me is all that life is about, like that journey of understanding yourself and tweaking where you need to and, and maybe doubling down where, where things are going well and becoming the best version of yourself. That's why you can have a LeBron James who's super calm under whatever circumstance because he's fucking done the work. Mm. Like these athletes are exposed and in the public eye to so many people and judged and scrutinized. That's why they're so self-aware because they've had to go through this shit. Yeah. A lot of us aren't pressured to do that. So we will walk through life and, and sadly lots go to their deathbed with this wiring still in place. Mm-hmm. But it's hard work. It's the, the easy route is to carry on and just be the person that you are now. So you've either probably got to experience that deep pain, which I explained earlier, or you decide to be proactive and, and try it anyway. Huge message. Yeah. Take flight. What's, uh, what's, what's going on? What's on the horizon? What's... Uh... <laughs> Even just saying it to you, you lit up on the screen there, Mark. We love the pod. We love the web. We're looking here at Athlete Next, looking at all the stuff. Mm. Um, what's going on in your world over the next couple of months? Well, this is it's hard because you could so many things to do, right? Um, in fact, when we're talking about mentors, a, a mentor just made it quite simple for me because I get super excited, as you can tell. <laughs> he just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he said, he said, what's working? So I said, the podcast and the coaching. He's like, do that. Because I was like, I'm going to have an app. I'm going to have a journal. I'm going to have <laughs> yeah. like, you know. And I, I I just recently stopped the events because it was taking a lot and it was really difficult to get to the level or quality of event that I was getting pre-COVID. People just aren't as invested as being in-person events anymore. Mm. I think there's been a big shift in that in you know how we work and everything as well. So 
just to keep working with amazing people. The network is is amazing that I'm exposed to and who I get to work with and spend a lot of time with. Tweaks on the podcast. I'm very excited about some things for next year. My garage is quite a it's an unusually large garage. It's currently a, a gym. It's got a sauna in it, ice bath, got all my gym in there. But I'm gonna actually this is like a fresh thing. This is like a week ago I came up with this, but I'm gonna convert the whole thing to my study and gym and almost create this performance center where I can bring my clients and we can have immersion days and we can use like breath work and sauna and ice baths to then raise the level of consciousness to get deeper in the coaching session. And I'm going to see where I don't just do a guest podcast anymore. And we interview about performance and purpose. The guest comes to the performance center. We, we sort of do a half immersion day and then record the podcast after that. So that's what I'm manifesting at the minute. It's very exciting. We'll be, we'll be over. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> You've given us so much. You've shared openly. Thanks very much. We've got the big question, the one we ask everyone who comes on. It's what does high performance mean to you, Mark? It means many things, but if I distill it down, high performance means you are aligned mind, body, and soul. And once you're aligned mind, body, and soul, you can do anything. You have the focus and you can tap into the biology of how the brain works physically you can mirror and match that as well and move in that direction and then the soul of course is where you know the things we've spoken about with carrying trauma and and all this weight when you release a lot of that your soul is the key part of that which allows you to perform at whatever level you aspire to perform mark well thanks very much for uh giving us the time joining coming on our show and sharing your story appreciate it wishing all the very best with the ankle with that cool studio that performance hub you're building and all your other endeavors man look after yourself i privilege guys thanks so much i've really enjoyed it thanks a thank you for listening to today's episode of sleep eat perform repeat a story of high performance this was brought to you by howora a whole person well-being company founded and run from dublin ireland find out more at howoralife.com spelt h-a-u-o-r-a life.com Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan.